MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And we're back on the Sports Grid Draft Special. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching us live uh, on a variety of different uh, platforms. And uh, if you want the edge, stay right here with us for the rest of the night. Again, we'll be on uh, till midnight tonight and tomorrow night as well. We'll be uh, an hour earlier, 7 to midnight. So we have Davis Maddock with us. And we've got to announce uh, one pick uh, first, which is shocking in that we were talking about how the Niners were going to take a wide receiver here. They opted for Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle out of South Carolina. So the Niners still have a first-round pick. Obviously, they pick at 31, so maybe they address the wide receiver position there. But now, Davis, Denver, which was one of the teams rumored to potentially be moving up in order to get their wide receiver, have stayed put and now have their choice between Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. Yeah, it seems seems like a, a not a particularly difficult choice to me. I, I think I think Lamb is of the future, you know, dominant NFL wide receiver category. I think Lamb is more of the very very good second wide receiver category. So you know, hoping hoping for Lamb to get uh, to get the paychecks and head to Denver. But you know, I do not have a firm conviction one way or the other which way they are going to go. Davis, talk to me about these wide receivers, what it could be in Denver now, partnering with Cortland Sutton, you know, emerging tight end Noah Fante. Go and get Melvin Gordon. They're really uh, putting a lot of toys around second-year quarterback Drew Locke, potentially, if this pick goes the way we think they go and Denver goes wide out. 
Yeah, I mean, you talk to everyone from the Denver organization, you know, the Denver Sports Talk guys. Uh, ben Albright is one guy I follow who's really close with the team up there. And, you know, they say the organization they believe in, they believe in Drew Locke, you know, from Elway on down. They are all in on Locke as the as the franchise quarterback. Can't say that I am as confident, but, uh, you know, early returns on him were okay. And, and the only way to know if what you have in a young quarterback is you got to give them the weapons because they'll always be the excuse if they don't have the right weapons and, and offense around them. So I like them at least trying to support the young quarterback. The Broncos are at minus 310 to draft an offensive player, plus 225 to go defense. How surprised would you be if they went defense? I would I would be surprised, right? Like at this point, we have to think it is a it is a legitimate surprise, and and even more so than the Broncos specifically. You know, I just did really not see very many mock drafts where not only Lamb or Judy, but Lamb and Judy both fell out of the top right. half of the first round. Like that is that is uh, I think at this point we can say a legitimate upset. Yeah, I, I think that is uh, definitely the surprise for me so far is that both guys are slipping to the back half of the second round. It's technically not the back half yet, so maybe they go 15 and 16. But um, that is a surprise. I think you're probably right on the Judy medical stuff. It's got to, had to have scared a team, uh, except not the Denver Broncos, because the pick is officially Jerry Judy. Uh, so, Davis, you're more of a C.D. Lamb over Jerry Judy guy, but at least the Broncos are a team that did not have to expend any additional capital. And they're adding to that arsenal for Drew Locke. The team is built around Vic Fangio and his defensive-minded uh, presence. But you have to give them credit for at least acquiring some weapons here. They're good at running back. They're going to be solid at wide receiver now. And if they're all in on Drew Locke and Noah Fant, they have plenty of weapons. Hey, Sutton, Fant, Judy, you got you got uh, three guys there who are all 23 or younger. Actually, Sutton is 24, so they're all the right age. You know, they have a couple years to try and figure things out while Patrick Mahomes, you know, just flame throws all over that division. <laughs> they they can, uh, you know, they have a couple more years to add offensive tackles. They won't have to they won't have to pay Locke, Fant, or Sutton or Judy for three or four more years. So they have they have some time to build. Uh, I love this selection because it keeps uh, Lamb to. Uh, Dallas alive. Don't love this selection for my prop bets, though. I definitely bought up uh, Lamb there at, at plus 200 over Judy and a ton of those matchup bets on uh, on FanDuel and DraftKings. So not to, not loving that one, but you know that is of course the risk you take when you're when you're taking the plus money side of those bets. Yeah, of course. So we're we're gonna have you again, uh, back again pretty soon because we have the Raiders coming up in just a few picks, and then uh, a little bit later with your uh, Kansas City Chiefs, one of your two favorite teams. You're a guy with sort of uh, a little bit of a sports bigamist, but I can appreciate it because you're honest about how much you love Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs because that's where you live. And then uh, Dallas Cowboys as well. It's been your team for a long time. So, um, well, I'll get your thoughts on the Cowboys when you come back about the Raiders too. Let's see if they screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. I am uh, very much looking forward to it. And I have, I, I mean it when I say it, I have no idea what the Raiders are about to do with this pick. So literally, literally anything is uh, is on the board for the Raiders at pick cool. 19. Good stuff. Thanks, Davis. Again, find him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Uh, and he uh, hosts, he writes for rotoexperts.com and, and tons of podcasts out there on the Sports Grid uh, Podcast Network. So uh, next up, it, we have right now on the clock is the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, Dane, were thought to be a team that might be trading up uh, to get uh, C.J. Henderson, to get maybe a, another uh, defensive player that they needed. Thomas Dimitrov talked about it, but 
We've only had one trade, and it moved one spot, and it didn't really change anything other than that we're surprised at who the Niners picked. So uh, what do you got here? What do you got for me with the Falcons? It seems like defense to me. Yeah, I think they go defense. The two names that I would watch here is Chason, the edge rusher out of LSU, or one of the cornerbacks who have been flying up the board. Remember, Atlanta was throwing out, again, Ariel, the smoke screen that they were going to move up to the top 10, maybe move up to the top five for a cornerback that they like. One cornerback that could be here is A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. Ariel, I know you have seen a lot of movement on the prop bets on Terrell. He could be a replacement for Marcus Trufant, and if not, I think Chason out of LSU you could be the pick, but everything you heard out of Dimitrov was that they wanted a cornerback, and A.J. Terrell is one at right, Ariel, who has been moving a lot in the uh, recent week. Yeah, so back on April 15th, A.J. Terrell was at plus 120 as a yes to go in the first round, which means the odds were saying he probably wasn't going in the first round. Draft day comes, yes, minus 270 for A.J. Terrell to go in the first round. A huge move for the cornerback. Yeah, I, I I just think that at this point, we're the Falcons have look. They took two offensive linemen in the first round last year. Uh, they signed Todd Gurley here. They got Julio. They got Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan. That's all good to go for the next couple of seasons. Um, they have to address the defensive side of the ball. They have Grady Jarrett there. Deion Jones, a really good playmaking linebacker. Keanu Neal is a great player, but two season-ending injuries two years in a row. And I think they, there has to be a sense about Neal that um, he's either going to continue to be injured or perhaps never reach the highest heights that his career was set out to be. doesn't mean that's a definite. Guys come back from injuries all the time, but these are pretty devastating injuries to have in back-to-back seasons. A torn Achilles, and ACL, it's just it's a, it's a lot for somebody to come back from. but The Falcons uh, are at minus 400 to draft the defensive player. As Dane okay. mentioned, Chase on his under 16.5 is at plus 155. Mm. And the thing is, Chazon's really good at rushing the passer, defending against the run, dropping into coverage. That's what you get out of Chazon. He's known for his competitive mindset. The thing for, for Atlanta, injuries decimated this defense last year, especially in the secondary. But when it comes to depth, I don't think Atlanta's going to be concerned about how many defensive players they can get on their roster. No, I, I think really ultimately the, the the getting rid of Vic Beasley, who was sort of underperformed in his rookie deal, and he moves on to the Titans and bringing in Dante Fowler from the Rams on a pretty sizable deal, I think they are certainly interested in addressing the pass rush, which has sort of failed them in recent years, Dane. Uh, Chase on, I think, would be a good pick here. Uh, but I can see one of the corners, too. I, I think it's 100% defense uh, yep. only because that's really the weak spot on the team. Yeah, I think it's either the defensive end. I mentioned Chason. You talk about them bringing in Fowler. They have lost Vic Beasley recently, but I actually think it's going to be on the back end. Now, think about the you know job number one for every team, right, is to win your division. You've already lost Marcus Trufant. Think about the passing offenses that are now in that division. We know about the Saints mm-hmm. and Drew Brees. Everyone is talking about Tom Brady and the weapons he now has with Tampa Bay. And think about what they are now trying to do on offense with the new regime there in Carolina. I think if you're Atlanta, you need to cover, and I think whether it's Terrell or not, I know Terrell is someone who's been going up people's boards, but there are a lot of other cornerbacks that it could be. Maybe a guy like Fulton, maybe a guy like Diggs in this spot, but I think cornerback is the play. How surprised do you think the Atlanta Falcons were that C.J. Henderson went in the top 10? I don't know. I mean, I personally, I did a mock draft with Jared, and I had the Jaguars winding up 
with Henderson, although in mind they traded back and still got Henderson. I always thought that was a place that um, Jacksonville may go, but this could be another example of a team, you know, talking about needing to trade and what they really need falling into their lap at the pick that they just started with. Pick is in. We're going to wait uh, for the official announcement from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell shortly, but uh, the pick is in here. So uh, we're we're for, sort of collectively collectively covering the NFC South tonight. For those of you wondering why we didn't bring in a correspondent, we might get Jared Smith in here uh, randomly to, to give us uh, some additional commentary, but we'll really take the NFC South. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast in a broadcast like this. But um, how about, uh, so how about your bets, guys? How about uh, things that you're cashing in on or not cashing in on? I'll, I'll tell you one of my wagers that did not go my way. Uh, I bet simultaneously the wide receiver combination of uh, Lamb, Judy, Rugs or Judy, Lamb, Rugs. They were both at plus 350. I bet them both because I was certain Rugs wouldn't get picked first. And that did not happen. So uh, I'm a loser uh, on that bet in particular, but uh, such is life. How about you guys? Well, Ariel, you I, first. I loved I loved the Andrew Thomas under ten and a half. Although I was a little surprised he went to the Giants at four. Andrew Thomas at ten and a half out of being part of that top four core of offensive linemen. The other three were draft positioned at eight and a half. I couldn't understand why Thomas was at ten and a half, so I hit the under on him. I also still like the under half a running back for this first round. The pick is in here for the Atlanta Falcons, and it's A.J. Terrell, the cornerback of Clemson. So um, it is a name that we threw out there, Dane. I, he is somebody that rose up through draft boards. When we were doing our, our mock draft videos, I know you did a whole bunch of them. I, I did one for the Niners at one point, and I thought he would be the Niners' second pick. I thought they were going to go wide receiver corner. So I had Terrell going probably a little bit later. So he's halfway through the first round. We're exactly halfway through the first round. Terrell gets picked. So a lot of players with pedigree off the board here. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU. We're SEC, seeing total 15 and a half. That's right. So we're, we're headed towards that. But uh, another championship caliber player here, Dean. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things you just mentioned that I'd like to go back to. In this draft season where we don't have pro days, where we don't have the team visits, right, where we don't have the doctor's visits, maybe the idea of pedigree is something to lean on. I mentioned Terrell could be here at this pick. And, you know, going to Clemson, obviously facing good competition over there in the ACC, excuse me, uh, for the Clemson Tigers. But this was a name, and they do address the secondary. They do address the secondary much like we heard. Dimitrov wanted to do. Yeah. So, uh, Ariel, I, I think Dane's got a point, but I, I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily related to the first round. I think a lot of times in the first round, we're going to see the high pedigree players go. There obviously are different scenarios where that doesn't happen. Khalil Mack from Buffalo is a guy that you think of from a smaller school. This is going to happen uh, from time to time, but really, we're seeing a I'm lot of in, guys coming off the board uh, that are. Um, you know, from the top caliber programs. And, and there's another one in Terrell. I think it's less about 
you know, match less about how much they've seen these players and um, more about just thinking of the matchup and the level of competition that these players have faced when you're trying to compare because you didn't get to see these players in person. That's why I think the SEC does so well in these drafts and why they have beaten the other conferences by a landslide in the odds and the totals. 15 and a half total picks is what FanDuel projected for the SEC. The next best was five and a half for the Big Ten, which I still think was a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, have Kevin Walsh here again on Twitter at uh, the Kevin Walsh. You find him uh, betting around the rim and a, a variety of other shows uh, on the grid. So uh, Cowboys are on the clock here, Kevin. A uh, couple of surprises here. Javon Kinlaw was a was a raised an eyebrow. AJ Terrell maybe goes a little bit higher than we suspected, but still uh, only one minor trade. I would call it uh, the Niners got exactly who they wanted. I'm sure, and the Bucks got exactly who they wanted. Uh, just an extra fourth round pick involved there. So, Cowboys are up right here. CD Lamb is sitting here. Davis Maddock, a a noted Cowboys fan, thinks that their history suggests that they might take CD Lamb, even though they have other pressing needs. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, CeeDee Lamb can add to a, a team that I believe led the league in scoring last year in terms of points per game. They really need more defensive talent. I, I think Calavon Chason would make a lot of sense here at this spot. I also think one could argue for a trade back. This is a team with their cap situation. I, I think that they need as many uh, swings at the plate as they could really afford. I think they I need agree. to add a number of players throughout this draft. And Again, you look at 18, 19, 20, the teams that are there, with this C.D. Lamb fall, they could be willing to trade back. Now, not with Philly, but if maybe the Vikings wanted to come up, we could potentially see, I think, Dallas be willing to kind of make that type of move here. Kevin, you know, we've talked about this. I had a mock. I have Chase on going in this place. Mm -hmm. We talked about it before. One of the other things you just said was that Dallas could take a lot of swings at it. Dallas is taking a lot of swings at edge rusher. They bring in Alden Smith. They have, you know, a case waiting on Randy Gregory as well. If they bring in Chase on, could this be another option? You know, there's no such thing as too much pass rush. Yeah, that's the thing. There's there's no such thing as too much pass rush at this position. And and also, right, you kind of go through the names they have there. I mean, is anybody in 2020 trying to rely on Aldon Smith as their second option as a pass rusher? I mean, talent and off-field concerns, all things considered. Kevin, also for the Dallas Cowboys, if we were to talk wide receiver, they're 11 to 1 to take a wide receiver with their first pick. However, linebacker plus 650, defensive lineman plus 280. Who could you see maybe being a dark horse that the Cowboys could be looking at? Well, the thing is, you you mentioned the odds right there for C.D. Lamb. If I'm not mistaken, I think Lamb was, I know for a a while, favored to be the first wide receiver off the board. And I think that's why. That, you know, that sits at 11 to 1. There really was not an expectation that he would fall back this far. I mean, we see on the broadcast, they're kind of giving a peek into CD Lamb. I guess we wondered who could be uh, the premier talent that falls. Maybe it's CD Lamb. And I think it is showing, too, that it, maybe the prevailing thought here around the league is the depth of this wide receiver class. It's something right. that Dana and I talked about with the early line, means that more guys fall as opposed to fly off the board. Yeah. And I, and I think it, it it's probably a result is. It, Look, as good as these three wide receivers that we've talked about so much are, uh, I don't know that they grade as high as, say, some of the other 
uh, top wide receivers in recent years, right? Uh, some of the guys that have come off the board in the top 10. But, you know, Corey Davis and Mike Williams and John Ross are not exactly uh, knocking out of the park as a, as a first-round class, nor is Laquan Treadwell, Will Fuller, uh, Corey Coleman, and Josh Doxson. So uh, there's reason for trepidation in the day one wide receivers when there's so much value in the day two wide receivers. So uh, I'm with you, Kevin. I, I think it's an interesting point. Uh, to trade back. And what would I tell you? That I think when we go to commercial, the pick is going to be in for the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, and there's no way Jerry Jones is going to trade back. It's the right thing to do. I don't think he'll do it. What do you think, Kevin? Well, I just like that Jerry Jones apparently told his people to <laughs> not bother him during this draft. I yeah. think that that's a baller move. I just, I'm glad that he's taking full control. And, you know, secretly, if he messed it up, it wouldn't be the worst thing that ever it's happened. A baller, it's a baller move if you don't like winning <laughs> playoff games, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> thanks. I uh, appreciate it. We'll have you back again soon uh, for the Eagles pick. That's your team. So I uh, appreciate it. We're going to break here in a couple of seconds. It's Mike, Dane, and Ariel. We'll be right back on the Sports Grid Draft Special. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
back on the Sports Grid Draft Special. Uh, thanks for watching. Obviously, we've had some picks happen <laughs> since we've been away, and uh, the Dallas Cowboys select CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Davis Maddox sort of previewed that uh, a little bit ago. Uh, I I'm not surprised because of who the owner is. He's also the GM, and that's the type of pick that he would uh, like to make. Uh, I, I don't know what uh, Dane said during the break so long, Michael Gallup. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but they can't complain about the weapons they have right now. They're, they're stocked with Amari, Michael Gallup, um, and now C.D. Lamb to to pair off with uh, Zeke Elliott in the backfield. So we'll talk about the I Cowboys. I guess anything for Jerry Jones to try to get Dak uh, happy since that contract has been on hold. He's not going to be happy. <laughs> about that <laughs> he'll be happy when other things happen and then uh, he's able to go, go to practice with these guys but uh, we bring craig mish back in because miami dolphins are now on the clock with their second pick uh craig thoughts now uh, this draft has really sort of gone according to plan for the most part lamb is a little bit of a curveball maybe kinlaw is henry ruggs but for the most part, there hasn't been a lot of movement. And I'm curious if you think the player that Miami wanted next is, is still there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think Ruggs is probably the biggest surprise thus far. I mean, very few people had him as the first wide receiver. And certainly you could have you know, cashed big on that. Just ask Joe Ranieri. Um, but a story for another day on that one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that McKinney, you know, was, was you know played fantastic for Alabama all season long last year. Really played at a high level the year before that. Makes some sense there. The Dolphins do need a strong player in the defensive backfield, so they could go that direction. Josh Jones, the offensive tackle from Houston, is still on the board. And I know that they had higher aspirations. In fact, had they not taken Tua, I believe they would have went with Becton from Louisville on, on the offensive line, and that may be a surprise to some people as well. So uh, two of three picks. would, would they have, The Dolphins have two picks coming up here at the end of the first round. I would think that one pick would be a running back of the two. I think there's a chance of that. So potentially we could see Swift maybe on the back end of this round, maybe even in the second round, or Dobbins. Those are the two running backs that at least that it would appear that they'd be interested in. And then I would guess that at some point they're going to have to address the, address the offensive line because they're going to need to help themselves out in a big way next year. And especially if two is going to play eventually, uh, their offensive line was a bit of a mess last year. Mish, you know, you know they do have these two picks. In my mock, I did have them getting DeAndre Swift, but at number 26 in the, right. the yeah. their third pick here. You mentioned the offensive line. You mentioned Josh Jones out of Houston. Are you hearing anything about Austin Jackson, the tackle out of USC? Could he be another option for them if they decide to go O-line with this pick? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, look, you, you know, part of, of getting a quarterback like Tua is you have to make sure that you're going to have somebody to protect him. And I know that sounds like the worst cliche in the world, but I think more so for a quarterback like that. And once Miami last year decided to move Tunsil, at that point, you knew that they were going to be attacking offensive line in this draft. So, Dane, I would expect that one of their next three picks, whether it's this pick right here, the 26th pick, or that first pick that they have coming up in the second round, Jackson certainly is viable there in that spot, too. I haven't heard a lot about Jones, so it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, if that's the direction that they went here. And I'm refreshing and clicking as we're talking here. To see. <laughs> Jones out of Houston is who I actually had Miami taking here. Miami gave up the most sacks in the NFL last year at 58. How surprised would you be for Miami to even wait out another pick for an offensive lineman at the rate offensive linemen have been going now? Yeah, um, it looks like Jackson is the pick here. So, Dane, that would be... Uh, that would be a, a feather in your cap there if that indeed is the case. But, yeah, I mean, Errol, when you look at it, 
I mean, they have to address it. So knowing that right now to this point, I mean, it's so funny how we used to look at NFL drafts. By this point, a running back always would have been gone, right? I mean, we've been we've been following the NFL for so long. They're just so undervalued at this point. And the top three running backs are still out there. I'm sure Miami just felt, simply put, they could probably get one coming up at 26 or even get one in the second round as mm-hmm. well. So taking an offensive lineman here does make a lot of sense. Okay, so then so then that third pick, you think they, they start to set their sights on DeAndre Swift? Uh, do you I think- mean, I, I think they could take him, Mike, at 26. But, you know, again, you know, the, the farther we go with these running backs, the more there's an opportunity for them to even wait even in the second round. I, yeah. I mean, I know they've targeted Swift for a while. Yeah. But they also like Dobbins, too. So They and, just have know, so many picks, right? They have 14 yeah. picks. They have six picks, I think, in the top 100. Is that right, uh, Craig? Yeah. So um, really the ultimate flexibility. They stripped it down. The way I appreciate the way that they built this team is that they made really no bones about it. They stripped it all the way down to the studs and said, we're just going to build this the way we need to build it. And that's yeah. uh, Greer and Flores together. And And I have to say, Early returns are good, and now they're now they got a franchise quarterback and potentially somebody to protect him here. Yeah, and they got and and they you know as I said they did draft Jackson. So uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. I just hadn't heard a lot about Jones, even though he's basically the highest ranked offensive lineman on the board. So uh, you know I really didn't have a strong opinion on this pick in particular. There will be some others uh, as some names come on in the draft. It's a lot easier, Mike, to sort of identify what a team's needs are as you get past this point, because they're just simply not expecting some guys in the late first round or even early second round to get to you. And then, you know, when you get to the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round, I mean, these are players clearly that they've wanted. They don't really feel like they have to jump up that much. That's the same for every NFL team. It's just about the players that they like at that point. So uh, we'll certainly see who they end up going with at the end of the first round. But I think that uh, both for fantasy and for reality, we're all very curious because whoever the Dolphins do draft at running back, whether it's Swift at the, uh, with the 26th pick or or later in the second round or even the third round, it's going to be a pretty heavily coveted player, I would think, going yeah, into the opportunity, yeah, Immediate opportunities. Uh, and uh, All right, good stuff. So it is Austin Jackson is the pick. Craig, we'll talk to you again uh, in a little while uh, to get that 26th pick. Uh, I would imagine they hold on to it, but they've done enough wheeling and dealing to come up with 14 picks and We'll see what they have a little bit later. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, Mike. Okay. So, uh, again, Austin Jackson, the tackle out of USC, uh, is the selection here uh, for the Miami Dolphins uh, as I'm refreshing as well. A little live uh, TV for you. Jackson's going a lot earlier than the odds indicated. He was actually at 28.5 at one point for his draft position, dropped down to 24.5. Uh, on draft day with the over at minus 110 it was kind of even though under was at minus 110 as well however the odds indicated that Jackson was going to be one of those picks in the 20s not here with Miami at 18 I did think that he had a potential to go to Miami with that later round pick I thought maybe Miami would take two out of three offensive players here and as Mesh has indicated uh, Miami to go three offensive players in the first round how much would that surprise you guys well, if you look at my mock draft, it didn't surprise me. I had who had five, Austin Jackson at 18, and then DeAndre Swift at 26. I think the point that Mish brought up was going to be pretty interesting, right? Because what we are seeing now, whether it's at this wide receiver position or what he was talking about at the running back position, will teams take what I'm going to call the calculated risk that later on in the draft, it can still be there? The Miami Dolphins pick at 26, but then as we said, they had two picks in the second round at numbers 39 and 56, I believe, 
overall. So when they are at 26, they may have Swift staring them in the face. The question is, do they take the gamble and think that he may still be there for them in the in the late 30s? All right, Davis Maddox back in. Davis, uh, you were uh, brutally honest earlier, which I appreciate, that you have no idea what the Raiders are going to do. However, you did call your shot. Dallas Cowboys, C.D. Lamb, let's talk about it. We're feeling we're feeling great. We got we got Amari Cooper, we got Michael Gallup, we got C.D. Lamb. The Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, they might not have the best head coach. They they might not uh, they might not have the uh, the best defense anymore. Letting Byron Jones go, but they led the NFL in yards per play last year. Seems like they have to be a heavy favorite to lead the NFL in yards per play again. You know, they this was a team that dedicated about 1,200 snaps to Jason Witten, Tavon Austin, Devin Smith, and Randall Cobb last year. Those snaps going to be replaced by CeeDee Lamb and Blake Jarwin this year. Have to feel uh, exceedingly good about the situation for the to Dallas your offense. Phrase, you love to see it. So what does this, honestly, what does this mean for Michael Gallup? You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the initial reaction here is for people to think that it's it's not great for Gallup. But, you know, I don't I don't really see any reason that this team just can't dedicate, you know, 65 percent of its targets to Cooper, Gallup and and, and Lamb, you know, and and, you know, Rookie wide receivers, I think, are going to have a tough time in, in 2020 because we're not going to have rookie minicamps. Like, let's just be let's be real about it. You know, Dak and Lamb are not going to get to practice together until probably August. You know, best case scenario, we get everything back on track. So, you know, I think I think Gallup is 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 fine. Hey, Davis, one thing I wanted to ask you, you mentioned now these three wide receivers that Dallas will roll out with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup. My question more is about how much they will utilize or leverage the weapon they have in the backfield in Zeke Elliott. Now, if you have these three wide receivers, do you really need to pay a quote-unquote workhorse running back? And we also know McCarthy's history. When he was in Green Bay, he never really had that kind of bell cow. So if you're happy about the three wide receivers, do you think there'll be any kind of diminishment in the value of the running game for Dallas. I definitely think we will see, you know, just a continuation of what happened last year for Zeke, which was just he was targeted a lot less often in the passing game than he was in his first three seasons in the league. And uh, you know, I, I hope I hope Jerry's lawyers are sitting going through Zeke's contract with a fine tooth comb <laughs> right now, looking for looking for some outs in that contract. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not too worried about it. Definitely, I think a small ding for Zeke's receptions, but you know, he might have a chance to finish off 20 drives with touchdowns in 2020. So the Raiders pick is in. We don't know what it is just yet. We'll get to it. Ariel. John Gruden is wearing a visor. Has Gruden fallen in love is a question I would ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be fun. That would be fun. Mm -hmm. It is Jordan Love. Top bets on quarterbacks of, of who would start for the team. And for Vegas, they had Mariota. They had Carr. The only other name they had on the board in FanDuel was Jordan Love. I honestly think Mike Mike uh, Mayock, who I, I can appreciate like the job that he's doing thus far. He's gotten some good players, but I really do think he he loves Marcus Mariota. I think he's going to get a second shot here. Um, they, they they gave it a favorable uh, Davis. It's a it's a team favorable contract that Mariota got. It's not a huge money commitment, but if if the thing if cars play in the first few games this year doesn't go according to plan. I think they roll Mariota out there, and if Mariota plays well, maybe he's their QB of the future. I'm not suggesting that's the right move. I'm just suggesting that's how I think they might feel about him. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you are probably right. Uh, to me, though, I don't think Gruden likes either of his quarterbacks. I think he looks I at his quarterback that. room, and mm-hmm. I and I think he says, you know, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. So True. I am uh, I'm surprised by this pick that the Raiders just made. Yep, Arnett, Damon Arnett, cornerback from Ohio State. Me too, but they surprised us last year, Davis, when they picked Cleveland Farrell uh, up at number four. Uh, they went Jonathan, a- they Cleveland Farrell, then they had Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Abram in there. Those weren't all the names that we associated with them. Now they take Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett. I start to get a little concerned that maybe they think they're the smartest guys in the room, but uh, you know they're still got quarterback issues as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't blame them for not taking a quarterback, right? If you, if you don't, if you don't think Jordan Love's your guy, you don't think Jalen Hurts is your guy, then don't take him, you know, because a first round quarterback, that's a, that's a big organizational commitment. You don't have to make it if you don't want to. Uh, them, them selecting, you know, maybe the seventh or eighth best cornerback in the draft with the nineteenth overall pick, though. Uh, not, uh, not for me, you know, I, I probably would have looked at Jeff Gladney, Jalen Johnson, Christian Fulton would have, would have had all of those guys guarantee you though, you know, uh, for, for third cornerback off the board, some people somewhere definitely got very good odds for Damon Arnett at this pick. Wasn't me, but someone definitely did. I didn't even see odds for him on FanDuel. Yeah, yeah. Davis, I was going to ask you about that, right? Like, Arnett, okay, he may be more of a cornerback a who can come up and support the run, but there are other cornerbacks still available, whether it's Diggs, whether it's Johnson, whether it's Gladney, whether it's Fulton. What do you think is in the mind of Mayock and Gruden here getting this style of cornerback this high? This is this is just what Gruden does, right? Because he doesn't care. He just takes the Gruden grinder. He just he gets. I mean, he got on a Zoom call with Damon Arnett, and Damon Arnett probably said all the right things. He probably watched Damon Arnett make a couple huge decleating tackles. Right. You know that that Big Ten football. He probably loves that. I don't know. You know, Gruden. Gruden. Uh, he he always keeps you on your toes because sometimes you think this guy has it really figured out. Uh, you know, he understands the the offensive side of the ball, and then other times you just you can't even figure out where he's coming from. Yeah. Well, good stuff, man. You we got picks coming up for you a little bit later. Uh, your Kansas City Chiefs don't pick until the last pick of the round, which is always a good sign of what you've done the year before. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, you nailed CD Lamb. So I hope you're. You're doing well on some of the other props, but uh, we'll talk to you again uh, a little bit later tonight, hopefully. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. All right. So, uh, all right. So we got the... Cornerback's not the biggest shock for the Raiders, finishing in 25th in passing yards allowed last year. Remember, the Raiders tried to get Byron Jones. They tried to get Chris Harris. They couldn't get either of those cornerbacks. It makes sense to go corner. It's just... We're talking about a player, Damon Arnett, that didn't even have odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm I'm wondering what it was that they saw in Arnett that they didn't see from some of the other cornerbacks rated higher. I mean, they did this last year, too, though. Right, Dane? Take it back from Dane, please. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we don't have any audio from Dane. We'll try oh, to no, get that sorry. back. There, I'm so back. there you go. Okay. We're saying, remember Jonathan Allen, who they drafted with by Big 24 last year? Another guy in the secondary who could lay the wood. This is the kind of player that Arnett is as well. His skills, not necessarily being the man's man, but being someone who can come up and make, as David said, these decleating tackles in the run game. Maybe that is the style of secondary member that Gruden is going for. He did it with Allen last year as well. 
Yeah, I mean, Mike Lombardi, former GM, uh, I listen to his podcast uh, from time to time. Try to, you know, you're always trying to listen to different things and get different perspectives. And I think he's very he, he, a big. He's a big proponent of, and this makes a lot of sense. Obviously, oh, every coach and GM should be a proponent of playing to your division. So right. if they have a bunch of hard hitters in the secondary trying to deal with uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers wide receivers and everything else, that does make sense to me. An attacking, aggressive, hard-hitting yeah. defense is probably what they're trying to build here. And they feel like Arnett is in that mold. Uh, again, I, I get a little concerned when a, a bunch of picks are not what the consensus thinks, but... You know, frankly, the consensus is wrong all the time as well. So, um, Ariel, any last thoughts? we got like 20 seconds. I guess that even though Blackjack Del Rio left uh, the Raiders, it doesn't mean that when they go to Vegas, he's totally out of the picture. It's still Blackjack. Exactly. So we'll come right back uh, with more coverage after this on The Grid. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferreira, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.
Back on the Sports Grid Draft Special, along with Jared Smith coming in now. Dane Ariel and I have been here with you all night. We're going to take you to the end of the first round or midnight. It looks like, by the way, pace-wise, Dane, we're moving right along, right? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it depends on what moving right along includes, right? We're going to be here until midnight. The question is, will it? Uh, you know, will the first round be over? We've been talking about the cornerbacks. One thing to note, I know, Ariel, you've been looking at the over-unders. There was four and a half was the number for the cornerbacks. And now the four are already off the board. And with, you know, with the Arnett pick, there's still some guys that were at the top tier that are still available for these last 10 or 12 picks. Yeah, bring in Jared Smith here. Uh, we have a pick here uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's Clavon uh, Chason. So Jared's sort of around where we expected he might go, uh, but the Jaguars have a couple of defenders uh, to add to the guys that are that have left and are about to leave. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe still technically on the franchise tag. He's never signing that thing, and they're trying to trade him. They're Twitter fighting with him and everything else, so they're replacing pieces uh, as they go here. A long way to go for this franchise, but Chase on a good addition. Yeah, very good addition. Of course, they also got rid of Calais Campbell in the offseason as well, so uh, certainly the Jaguars need some help in the front seven. Uh, they addressed the cornerback situation with their earlier pick, and C.J. Henderson, they get another Another stud SEC defender here in Chase on. Obviously, we saw a lot. You know, we didn't watch as much of the LSU defense when we watched LSU this season because we we're obviously so fixated on Joe Burrow and that high flying offense. But uh, very impressive season for Chase on. He still needs to get a little bit better in the running game. 6'4, 250 pounds. He can really rush the passer. That's going to be his his main strength in the NFL. Needs to get better in the running game, needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, but he goes to a defense now in Jacksonville where there's a ton of openings, ton of open spots. They're going to plug him in and kind of fit you know where he kind of you know fits into this Jaguars defense which is going to be a little bit of an amoeba defense and, and a very young defense so Chase Son's going to get a chance to play right away and I think the Jaguars did a great job here in the first round they went defense with both picks uh, and they got two really good players out of the best conference in America. Jared, I remember last weekend when we did our mock drafts, I had, you know, I'm getting the cornerback, then the edge rusher. Mm -hmm. You had them getting the, ed the lineman and then the cornerback. A lot of different ways to skin a cat. One of the things you've mentioned, though, is between Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Fournette, both of them being on the block. What Do you think there will be more moves from Jacksonville over the course of this weekend? Is there is there fire where there's smoke in Jacksonville? Yeah, and, and they've got a ton of draft capital as well. Uh, they've got a pick in the second round, a pick in the third. They've got three fourth round picks they've got two fifth round picks so the Jags have the most picks of, of of almost any team other than the Patriots who of course received the most compensatory picks in the NFL uh don't get me started on that but uh it, yeah so the Jaguars are probably going to be one of the most active teams uh during the net especially on day three because they've got all of their picks really in rounds four through seven uh but they do pick again uh twice tomorrow uh Wide receiver here, I think, uh, is 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 probably the next need that they will look to address. But there's a lot of good wide receivers later on in this draft, and they'll have a lot of opportunities to address that need uh, on days two and three. Jared, I was going to ask you about them and with, about the Jaguars and their offense because offense is clearly a need. Especially you have Leonard Fournette, and then my mind goes blank. You need some kind of skill player for the Jaguars to help at least, you know, with that defense that they're stacking up for. Where can you see or who could you see the Jacksonville Jaguars going for next? Uh, I mean, you know, they pick again at 42. You know, you would imagine that, you know, a guy like Mims, Rieger, uh, Ayuk, Chenault, one of those wide receivers will likely be there at 42. That's the next need I have for them. If, if there's also a good defensive lineman available in that spot, I, I, I can see them going D-line. 
a couple of interesting notes with the AFC South, though. You know, this is a division that there's really not like a dominant team, I would say. It's kind of a wide open division. So I think Jacksonville uh, obviously not going to be the favorite in that division next season. So their goal for this mm. draft should be to get as many good young players on their roster as possible. I think they've accomplished that with their first two picks. There were talks that they might move up or down. Uh, maybe they wanted to go up and get one of these quarterbacks. That obviously didn't happen. I think the Jaguars built through the draft. That is how you win in the NFL. They got two stud SEC defenders. They played in the best conference in America, and they're really athletic, and that's how you win in the NFL on defense. You can defend the pass, and you can get after the passer, and that's obviously what Jacksonville did with their first two picks. All right, Jared. Well, thanks a lot. You're keeping us clued in over here to the AFC South. We'll talk to you again when Tennessee picks a little bit later on during the first round. Thanks uh, for spending a couple of minutes with us as the Philadelphia Eagles are now on the clock. Ariel, one of the things we have been talking about is the wide receiver position, right? And could the wide receiver market fall back a little bit? The Philadelphia Eagles were one of the teams that definitely were in the market for wide receiver. And a lot of people are connecting him to LSU wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Yes, that's where the odds were favored. In fact, by a landslide. We'll bring in Kevin Walsh. Kevin, how much do you like Justin Jefferson, who had the best odds on the board to go to the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, I like him a lot. It's easy to see why uh, that was the case because the expectation was that the top three wide receivers wouldn't make it this far back. Obviously, that played out. And Jefferson is uh, a guy who's pretty much in his own tier when it came to this wide receiver group. Uh, he was better than anybody else after that, but didn't really crack tier one with your rugs, Judy uh, and Lamb. So it makes a lot of sense. They need this wide receiver depth because you saw what happened to them last year at this position. They have good players. They just all got hurt. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, and that's a consistent uh, thing with him, is Alshon Jeffrey also has injury history as well. So adding depth and a guy with the talent of Jefferson, I think is it's easy to see why it was as heavily favored as it was. Mike? Yeah, good stuff. So, uh, all right, man. So your Eagles uh, on the clock here, or is the pick in? I'm sorry, I had a little bit of a technical issue, uh, so I missed exactly what happened there. Pick is in. Uh, your expectations are Jefferson? An LSU player, Jefferson or Patrick Queen, uh, would make me very, very happy here. Got it. Okay. <laughs> make me. I love how you phrase that, Kevin. They make are the very, very happy first team in NFL history to Holy not have God, a wide receiver it. with over 500 receiving oh, yards. Well, they Whoa, receiver, but it is the not pick is in. About yeah, TCU wide receiver Jalen Rager plus 950 for Jalen Rager to go to the Philadelphia Eagles here. So. Davis Maddox was, has been on Jalen Rager for months. I will have to give him credit for that. So now I'm stunned that Jefferson is not the guy here, but yeah. Jalen Rager is well thought of by some scouts. Some saying he's one of the most talented guys in the draft. You seem to be a little upset by it as an Eagles fan, but yeah. tell me why. Yeah, I just don't think he's as good as Justin Jefferson, right? I mean, ultimately, though, this is a super deep wide receiver class, so I can't complain too much. And if there are people out there that believe in his talent, right, you mentioned in Davis Maddox, whose opinion uh, I certainly value, then ultimately, uh, you know, I, and I'll talk myself into it, but by the time we probably hit 11 p.m. here, East Coast time. So we, there's no worry about that. It's just part of it, something is, though, and you guys know this as fans of teams, when you find yourself connected to a player so heavily, you almost you, you you talk yourself into it, and that was the case with Justin Jefferson. Like 
I almost already felt like he was wearing Eagles green. So then it feels as if the rug was kind of pulled out from underneath me here. And it, it was just, it's a surprise thing, but I mean, look there, I like that when they're showing his highlights here, unlike a lot of other players actually showing some, uh, some football plays as opposed to him pushing cars and jumping out of pools. So, Kevin, talk to me. You know, we've talked about this before, the idea of, you know, Baskin-Robbins, 31 flavors. It seems like the Philadelphia Eagles are opting here for the explosive game-breaker. I mean, Rager has experience as a returner as well. Maybe they wanted that kind of more shifty, explosive, get-separation guy, as opposed to Jefferson, who's the more be-able-to-go-up-and-get-the-contested-catch kind of guy. What, what, what role do you think this number one wideout or this first-round wideout has to play in the Eagles' offense? Well, the thing is, I think he has to be versatile because you can't trust uh, Alshon or Djax to really be there, unfortunately, for the long term. I think what this kind of jumps out to me in a way is I wonder if when Philly uh, comes up on the board again, I believe 53 is supposed to be in their next selection, we could maybe see them go wide receiver again, and maybe they take a couple different chances here at this wide receiver position. I think that could make some sense uh, for this football team. Really interesting, Kevin, that the odds were so set on Justin Jefferson at plus 200. Then you have Rieger there at plus 950. Even Mims had better odds at plus 600. So what is it about Rieger that you could see really helping out this Eagles team come the future with Carson Wentz? Yeah, I mean, I said it's kind of what Dan alluded to there. It's the shiftiness there. It's a game breaker. And they need someone like that. The ability to even catch a screen and break it and bring it to the house is just not something they had. I mean, Greg Ward Jr., who's a quarterback from Houston, was this team's leading receiver as they made their push to the playoffs. So I think any type of wide receiver talent like Rieger paired with Carson Wentz, who is a franchise quarterback, I think will be able to come in and perform. You, you said that very slowly as if we didn't understand that, but I know why you did that. Because some people don't, and you know what I'm uh, talking about. Mike. Yeah, he, he <laughs> def he, I definitely know what you're talking about. So we'll have you back uh, a little bit later, uh, hopefully. I don't know if there's any more picks for the East, but uh, we'll see if, there's, trade up. Yeah, see if there's any more action there. We'll have you back for that. So good stuff. Good, uh, on to uh, Cam Stewart. Cam in to talk about the Vikings. We haven't talked to you since way up at the top of the first round. The pick is in for the Vikings. We don't know what it is yet, but let me give, give me 30 seconds on how you think this draft has played out thus far. I, I got to be honest with you guys. I thought there'd be more trades and even with the technolo technological problems, I thought they'd want to do some stuff, you know? Hey, my computer's doing this. Uh, we'll give you a couple extra minutes if you want to pull the trigger, but uh, just Tampa Bay get, get, getting worse like that late in the draft. Unbelievable stuff how... You know, they get Tom Brady, Gronk, and then you get a, a tackle that was probably projected to go fourth to the Giants, and you get them that deep. And, yeah, it's kind of interesting. The receivers have flip-flopped, too, like very, very odd, you know. We thought C.D. Lamb and Judy were going to be there, and then Ruggs goes. So, yeah, yeah th there haven't been trades, Mike, but uh, some of the uh, draft boards have been blown up. <laughs> Definitely, that's for sure. But Minnesota, they could go a lot of ways. Here's the thing, guys, you know, uh, receivers, there's still some good ones out there. We got uh, – they trade digs to the Bills. Thielen's hurt all the time. You know, this is a this is a, a spot where there's a lot of talent on the board. They might wait. And I also like that cornerback Johnson from Utah. I think he's very, very good. A lot of people think maybe A.J. Terrell from Clemson, but I, I like Johnson from Utah. I think he's very, very strong. We'll see where the Vikings go. They might go receiver and wait on their corner or, or vice versa, but I think one of the two, that's my prediction. They're either going with the receiver or I'm going to say Johnson from the Utah Utes. Uh, okay, just before we go, the Minnesota pick is in, but the Patriots, shockingly, have Here traded back. 
right? <laughs> They've traded back here. So I'm getting this news right here, courtesy of Greg Sussman, uh, producer extraordinaire. Uh, Minnesota Pickers and Patriots have traded down with the Chargers. So we'll see where that leaves them. The Chargers coming all the way up. So the Chargers had to move up significantly. They didn't have any other picks here. Uh, but uh, they're at the top of the second round there. I, I'm not even a little surprised that the Patriots traded out of this uh, pick, um, regardless of what they're going to be doing. But Cam, uh, well, let's see. Pick is in. Pick 37 and 71 for 23. Man, that's a lot of value. Here's, right here's what here, the Patriots hand it to them again. They get the old Barry Horowitz pat on the back. You get Gronk. Hey, hey, Gronk, we're not going to play for you. Tampa Bay, sure. You get a fourth round pick. What does New England do? Bill Belichick's catching some rays in Nantucket there. We stockpile <laughs> more picks. That's what these guys do. They're just better than everybody else. And it drives me nuts. Uh, you know, I'd like to see a team like Bills, Dolphins, anybody else but the Patriots in that division. But hey, you know what I mean? This is an organization that gets it. Hey, Cam, you were talking about how Minnesota is up next, right, at picks 22 and again at 25. I agree with you. Wide receiver is a need and cornerback is a need. Ironically, those are two positions where we've seen top-level talent still on the board. Many people thought Justin Jefferson would have been the last pick. He is still there at the cornerback position. A lot of people did not necessarily think that Arnett would get taken this early. Given the supply and demand of it all, what do you think the Vikings prioritize here at 22, wide receiver or the secondary? Very tough. I'd go wide receiver with Jefferson on the board. I told Morenci on our show, guys, I'm in love with a player, but he'll probably go in the second round. I think Chase Claypool from Notre Dame is going to be an absolute NFL stud. You saw him in that bowl game against Iowa State. He's a big guy, and he's just shredding teams. Take a look at his record at, at the last couple of games. Like He's a touchdown machine, multiple catches. Man, I think I, I, whatever team gets him, he is my super sleeper of the draft. But right now, I think with Jefferson on the board from LSU, you got to get another weapon. Of course, Minnesota has two picks within four of them, and they were at plus 115 to take a corner, plus 220 to take a wide receiver. However, Cam, when you're looking at this Minnesota Vikings team and you look at the secondary, what kind of piece to that secondary could you see that's available since we've seen so many corners flying off the board? Yeah, they need a corner. Their secondary is getting a lot older, too. But I think they have to prioritize with the best wide receiver on the board. You're not going to get it done with Thielen. Say Thielen gets hurt, guys. You know, there's no more yeah, games he had, anymore. Yeah, the hamstring injury most of last season. It's a problem. Minnesota needs to get a real receiving threat and hopefully a big guy, too. Big and tall guy you could throw to in the end zone. Yeah, Spending I mean, a lot I, of money on your quarterback, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Exactly. Kirk Cousins like, talks a lot. <laughs> I like it. It is, hey, by the way. Jefferson. The there we Justin go. Jefferson. That's right. Hey, Justin one, Jefferson one is the, the guy. I, literally, I was just about to say um, Justin Jefferson is the way I would go here. You're right, Cam, in that they do need cornerback help. The Bengals signed away two of their cornerbacks, Mackenzie Alexander and Trey Waynes. Uh, yes. They obviously cut Xavier Rhodes. So mm -hmm. defensive backfield is an issue for them. They have spent, obviously, a lot of money on their defensive front at quarterback. They got Dalvin Cook coming up. So Minnesota is a team sort of in transition from a salary cap standpoint. They had to make some tough decisions with Joseph and Rhodes, but Rhodes was – far underplaying what they were paying him. Yes, so uh, I agree. I, I, but I, I think Justin Jefferson, I really like him a lot as a player. I think he tracks really well uh, at this next level. I would have taken him before Jalen Rager, but uh, Jalen Rager's got some raving reviews as well. So Justin Jefferson is the pick. It's the name that you were throwing around. I have to give him a, a thumbs up for this pick.
Yeah, I, I like I like him to go. Uh, uh, I, I'm actually surprised he lasted this late. With the uh, the receivers have been crazy, and guys, my prediction for the next Minnesota pick is Johnson from Utah. I think that's where they go. If not, they'll probably go with Terrell. Uh, from Clemson there, but they need a corner. You're absolutely right, Mike. And you know, they got Bradbury to help out the offensive line before Minnesota. That's the thing, man. They, they're an interesting team. They always find ways to choke, but uh, I really, really love this pick. Yeah, man. It's good stuff. You know, we'll uh, keep you here to the break. So one, one last thought, any surprises that you see coming up here? Uh, Any guys that you're surprised are still left on the board? We got about 20 seconds. Well, I, I, th- I thought by now, we'd, uh, you know, I, I like Johnson from Utah. That's my guy. I thought he'd be go- probably gone around this po- point right now. He's the guy, and, uh, you know, that Rieger pick is not as bad as everyone thinks. He's a great return man. But, yeah, yeah it's been weird. I, I can't believe the first yeah. receiver, Mike. It's All right, Cam, nuts. we're out. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.